Hey, 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 we're back for another one. Shout out to everybody in the chat. What's up, Dolly? Good morning, everybody. Good afternoon. Good evening. I'm back for another one. This time, um, the story is going up here on our Crime and Investigations channel. And um, we're also uh, um, making sure that we have this information uh, available on our, our leak. You is now on Spotify channel as well as uh, we'll put it up on our podcast, uh, this particular episode. Um, it's very crazy story. Okay. And I don't know how this happened, but we'll get through it together, I guess. But there's a woman, I think she's was 93, I believe. Um, and matter of fact, let me, pull this info up here and I'm bringing the leak you is now on Spotify channel into the mix here and we'll go ahead and throw uh all right now this woman um there isn't a couple of news reports we're going to look at here but this woman had eight children okay a mother of eight the senior citizen home that she was living in somehow gave her dishwashing liquid, okay? And she consumed it. She consumed this dishwashing liquid and is now dead. And actually, it was was three people, three residents of the Atria Park Senior Living Facility in San Mateo um, that consumed, Would you like- okay, this dishwashing liquid all right so i'll go ahead and um let's let's go ahead and take a look at uh, the news article first shall we they had to actually hold that thought it's crazy After ingesting or swallowing dishwashing soap, according to her family, they believe it was alkaline-based, where it's supposed to eat protein to the point where they claim that inside her mouth, her throat, esophagus, had severe blistering. Now, the investigation is still ongoing. They don't know if this was malicious or accidental, and that's why the authorities are involved. And the nursing care facility itself, they're also conducting their own investigation. So take a look at your screen. This is what they had to say to the public when it comes to what happened to these three people. They say, when this occurred, our staff immediately contacted authorities and the residents were transported to the hospital for evaluation and treatment. We are conducting our own internal investigation and the employees involved have been suspended until the investigation concludes. At this particular point, they don't know if it's criminal or again, if it's accidental, but the bottom line is it appears that many people are still inside. In fact, ironically, we will zoom in guys and you can see an ambulance right in front, probably not related to what's going on, but ambulances come and go because it's an elderly care facility. Back to you. All right, thanks a lot. We'll continue to get updates from Will throughout the morning on that. That is un believable okay unbelievable it makes one wonder you know is there some sort of criminal element to this like how the heck would somebody even drink that hold on i want to hear what the daughter had to say in just three A 93-year-old woman was pronounced dead after police confirmed she ingested toxic chemicals at the Atria Senior Living Facility in San Mateo. My concern that the level of care is not not adequate because issues like this shouldn't really happen. This is very major since it resulted in a death. We met Jun Lee outside of this facility. She was planning to register her husband into this home this week. I will not consider um, this assisted living facility any longer. Did they mention anything about the incident? No, no. The sales director did not mention the incident. The incident took place on Sunday night. Atria's team confirmed two other residents were also hospitalized. In their statement, they revealed what the toxic chemical was. 
and said, in part, we can confirm three of our residents were recently transported to the hospital after mistakenly being served dishwashing liquid as drinking juice. San Mateo District Attorney Steve Wagstaff confirmed San Mateo Police brought this case to his attention this morning. At least at this point anyway, we've concluded that whatever occurred, we don't think at this point, doesn't mean we rule anything out, but at this point, we don't think it was an intentional act by somebody trying to harm people. If the current evidence points to this not being intentional, then what happened? DA Wagstaff said negligence hasn't been ruled out. So if it was people were not being careful with liquids and people suffered harm or death by it, uh, that would be, of course, there be, could be a very um, significant lawsuit out of it. Or it could be a, uh, I mean, it, technically there is a thing in the criminal law called criminal negligence. This facility also confirmed they're conducting an internal investigation and the employees involved have been suspended for the time being. In San Mateo, Luz Peña, ABC7 News. <laughs> Listen, man, I don't understand how juice got mixed up as dishwashing liquid. I really don't. I don't understand that. Um, you know, there is a nursing home in Paris, Texas. It used to be called the, I believe it was just uh, Paris Nursing Home, but they've changed the name over the years. Hey, Mr. Dennis Gibbons, how are you? Um, and I, you know, I used to be a CNA when I was a teenager, you know, and I uh, helped out and worked in the nursing home or whatever. I think I did it over like a summer or whatnot. And I'll never forget the summer that I did work at that place. How I seen two actual nurses punching patients. Okay. And one of, uh, there was one patient, she was in her twenties and um, was, you know, I don't know what exactly was wrong with her, but uh, they used to have to put her out like on a blanket in the hallway at night because I guess the way she would scoot a lot. And one day somebody didn't do that and it cost her her life. And her name was Sherry. And I believe she was like 26, 27, but she accidentally strangled herself because of the matter in which she would used to move. Like I said, they used to put her out in the hallway on blankets and sheets. And I mean, she'd scoot all up and down that hallway. So obviously, um, <laughs> I've always said, and, and I've told, I told my kids, I told my daughter, especially like, don't you dare ever put me in a place like this. I took care of you when you were born and I expect you to take care of me when I need it. Like seriously though. I think I've worked hard enough over the years where, you know, we get a nurse or whatever, but nah, don't ever put me in one of these places. Not to be trusted. Not to be trusted at all. Um, the question for me, okay, now, this woman could not feed herself. And let's kind of go into, like, those details here for just a moment. Give me just a moment. And as you can see, guys, we are, by the way, on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, and Apple Podcasts. We're on all of your favorite podcast uh, distribute, uh, distributors or whatnot um, as we transition over. So definitely check us out when you get a chance. But um, so the mistake of it being dishwashing liquid as drinking juice, right? Dishwashing liquid as drinking juice. I don't get that. Because for one, like to, to pour it, for one. For two, the, the nurse that would have had to have administered it to Miss Maxwell because she was unable to feed herself. Again, she was a 93-year-old woman. How did she, you know, did the nurse not notice that it looked thick? Surely the dishwashing liquid, it wasn't like see-through clear or nothing like that. The, uh, Ms. Maxwell had severe blistering of her mouth and throat and esophagus. 
an alkaline cleaning solution that eats protein. What could that be? That's crazy. And it's three people at that. First of all, why was the, the, the cleaning liquid even in a cup to begin with? Right. So I think you can eliminate like there's, there was, um, I was reading one report on Cron, right. Um, Marcia Kutchen, um, says, of course, you know, that her family first heard of the incident involving her mother, that she was the daughter. Um, when a staff member called to tell her and report that she had ingested a substance and an ambulance was being called, right? Um, but again, when she got there, she had the severe blistering of her mouth, throat, and esophagus. And the it was, you know, she was told that the substance was an alkaline cleaning solution that eats protein. And that was when they were first informed of the incident. From her first arrival at the hospital, Maxwell's family was told there was nothing the medical team could even do to treat the blistering. Now, Kutchen, uh, the woman said she and her family were told that first responders believed the dementia patients had ingested the substance on their own. Huh? That don't even sound right. Kutchen disputes this and maintains it would be impossible in her mother's case because her mother cannot even feed herself. Hello? What is that stuff doing in a cup? I don't know. This is the craziest story. So preventable. So preventable. And you're supposed to, you know, entrust, you're supposed to trust these people that you don't even know, these nurses coming in and out of these facilities. I feel like, well, I ain't going to say that. Let's just say I've made my point known. Don't ever put me in a place like that because I'll damn sure feel like you don't give a fuck about me. You put me in a nursing home, assisted living facility, my ass. People drinking dishwashing liquid and shit. I mean, how did the nurses not know that what... Because for Miss Maxwell to have drank that, they would have had to hold the cup to her mouth as it went down. And we don't know the condition of the other two people, right? But obviously this stuff was in cups, right? So, I mean, I'm just trying to understand... How it looked like drinking juice. Um, I sure would like to know the brand. So that we can see what it actually would have looked like. Especially I would like to compare it. I want to see somebody. Oh, ooh, I wish the um, the guy that does all those science experiments. Um, um, I would, I'd love to see him, you know, show us like the, the viscous of dishwashing liquid versus drinking juice right um i want to look at what the color difference is like i really want to look at this even further it's just ridiculous i don't understand so um of course dishwashing liquid would need to be something to eat protein because typically what people are eating is protein right meat so Oh, man, the, uh, I'm throwing questions out just in my mind. Let me see here. Dishwashing liquid alkaline based. Well, that would be your Dawn's, your Ajax, right? So dish soaps have a pH above seven, meaning they are alkaline. So all dishwashing liquids alkaline. Alkaline solutions are great for removing fats, grease, oils, proteins, and microorganisms. Makes sense. So they probably had some commercial type, but it could have still been, you know, Dawn or 
Here, now it's kind of got me wondering here. Um, drinking dish soap. X. And of course, I would never encourage anyone to do this. I'm simply just researching this. Um, but I'm just curious what would happen if one was, you know, we know obviously what would happen, but I'm just curious what's documented as the symptoms of what would happen if you drank dish, dish liquid, or, you know, dish soap for God's sakes, God's sakes, man. How did you know, like, how did you not smell the soapiness? <sighs> Is it possible that somebody did that on purpose as an effort to harm people? I mean, it wouldn't be the first time we've seen predatory behavior happen in nursing homes and hospitals where nurses or doctors even are killing patients. that thought so if you swallowed the soap pain or swelling in your throat and on your lips and tongue may develop you may also experience symptoms of gastrointestinal distress begin to vomit repeatedly which may include vomiting blood side effects of drinking dish soap I can't believe that there's this many articles on this topic. It's insane. Like Reddit even. What happens to your insides? What happens to your insides if you drink dish soap and drink a bunch of water? People are stupid, man. Amazingly, back in 82, there was um, an incident that happened in which 46 children fell ill from swallowing sunlight lemon-scented dish soap. Huh. Perhaps more surprisingly, 33 adults drank the very same dish soap. In Washington, D.C., 35 people swaddled sunlight over the course of six weeks. These people weren't overzealously washing their mouths out with soap. After swearing like angry sailors, the sunlight bottles were plastered with a picture of a juicy sliced lemon sandwiched between green letters advertising real lemon juice. Ooh, along with the words dishwashing liquid. Mm. Just stupid, right? Hold on a second. Y'all, I, I cannot with these people, okay? Sorry, I'm not showing it on the screen because I need to. I'm, I'm not going to show anyone drinking dish soap. It's ridiculous. And think about it. It would have had to have been a lot of dish soap, right? Come on. I mean, if we're talking about you're it, it's time to drink type whatever right and you're passing out drinks that's got to be a lot of dish soap in there like the nurse didn't notice that the consistency was pretty thick 
I know I've said that, but I just, I can't get over that. I can't understand it. Oh, I'm trying to find like, you know how they have those videos that shows what happens to your body? Like if you drink bleach or dish soap. Hold that thought. <laughs> I think I've been. Are you serious? Oh, wow. That is, the, I just got a banner up from clicking on a video. Like, damn, YouTube, I've never seen that. Videos on the topic. Not surprisingly, most of them are meme related or videos of people supposedly drinking bleach. According to Know Your Meme, yeah, I'm using Know Your Meme as a reference for a science video. <sighs> the idea of drinking bleach was thrust into the mainstream in 2012 when a Canadian girl named Amanda Todd attempted suicide by drinking bleach due to cyberbullying. This made the phrase a common insult far and wide over numerous internet communities. The concept of drinking bleach became a meme and viral hit when YouTuber Joey Salads uploaded a prank video in 2015 where he pretended to drink bleach. This stuff is good, yeah, right? Yeah, that first one. Mm -hmm. But at least it's... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh my God. It's good. And the rest, as they say, is history. So everyone knows to drink bleach meat. But does anyone know what actually happens when you drink it? Glad you asked. Bleach is a 5-8% to 8 solution of sodium hypochlorite dissolved in water and has a basic pH of 11. The active ingredient, sodium hypochlorite, gives it its dangerous properties. Sodium hypochlorite is a strong oxidizing agent and is so powerful that it removes the dye from clothing. It's this strong oxidizing property that makes it especially corrosive to human tissue. Wait a second, I've gotten bleach on my hand before and my skin didn't burn. Right, that's because the tissue making up your skin is very different from the tissue in your mouth. Your exterior tissue has multiple layers and is durable enough to handle abrasion and mild corrosion. The tissue in your mouth is much different, as it's more sensitive and very thin to allow the secretion of saliva to break down food. Unfortunately, a fair amount of cases involving bleach or caustic ingestion involves children. This is often one of the worst case scenarios, not just because it involves a child, but also because the damage affects the physical development of their body. Certain tissue or muscles are damaged and, as a result, don't develop properly. For example, on the YouTube channel Real Families, an 18-month-old boy ingested drain cleaner. He had development issues in his jaw wow. later in life due to the improper development from the wounds. After an accident at the tender age of two, Keelan has been a regular visitor to Temple Street for over 12 years. Keelan ingested caustic soda when he was a baby. And we've been coming to Temple Street ever since, since 2000. 12 and a half years, were regular visitors. And one of the things that we had noticed as well was that there was a significant restriction of the growth of the upper jaw, which, if it persisted, would have been a major problem for him in the future. The plan of the surgery was essentially to remove all the scar tissue that he had, but also to disconnect the muscles that are around the jaw and cause the jaw to open and close. All right, so you drink the bleach. What happens next? Well, it depends on a few factors. How much you consumed, how long it was in your mouth, and finally, where it went. Cases where bleach has a brief exposure to the mouth and the individual spits it out immediately has the least damage. The most concerning areas of your mouth are the tongue, tonsils, and muscles. If these aren't severely damaged, then there is minor concern as the mouth will heal up. Compared to other parts of the gastrointestinal tract, the mouth has the easiest job. It breaks down food mechanically and then pushes it down your esophagus. Pretty simple and durable. On the other hand, your stomach and intestines have to produce acids, release bile salts, absorb nutrients, and push the unused contents out of your body a total distance of 25 feet. It's when the bleach goes beyond the mouth and is partially or fully swallowed that you have big problems. This is due to the fact that everything after the mouth is less durable and has more complex anatomy. For example, the esophagus is made of soft elastic tissue that uses contractions to push food to the stomach. Even minor injuries to the esophagus can severely damage this process, and they can be lifelong. For example, on the same YouTube channel, there was a story of a young girl who consumed... Y'all, I, I cannot. It's just dumb. It's horrible that anybody would even do that and drink dishwashing liquid and I don't know how they would have possibly mixed it up because 
it's uh, just the viscousness, you know, the the uh, thickness to it and how it looks is so much like you would know. And you would know, is that typically the juice that's served every other day? Every, you know, like, I don't know, guys. It's going to be interesting. I think that uh, we we need to hear more. We need to know, like, we need to know more. We need to know what the police know at this point. If you don't suspect this of being something harmful, like someone trying to murder old people, then surely you can explain uh, how this accident happened and if it's truly an accident hopefully nobody will lie about what happened it's always got to be somebody that's got to lie it just can't be yeah you know it was an accident this is what happened blah 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 it's like you just can't you can forget about it truth are you kidding me oh my goodness it's just horrible. I feel so bad for that, uh, for all three of those people. Cause again, it's three people that this has happened to. Um, and I mean, it almost gives me like, what was his name? Hold on. There was this, this doctor, right? An Australian doctor. Hold on. I want to give you all his name real quick. Uh, Swango, right? Wasn't it Swango? Dr. Swango? That weirdo who killed all those? Yes. I got it off the cup. Michael Swango, okay? We ought to do just like a live just discussing him one day, but real creepy, real creepy looking dude, right? Real creepy, creepy looking dude. Michael Swango. Let me show you the wiki, okay, real quick. That's the wiki, okay? Dude is... Here, look. <laughs> you see that motherfucker coming for you? You see him walking up? You ain't gonna be able to get not even 10 feet around me because you're... It's, it's almost, you know, it gives you a white van vibes, right? Killer white vans. The ones that sit off in the cut. Waiting to kidnap somebody. He just gives you them type of vibes. I don't know. But anyway, Michael Swango, a serial killer. All right. And he was a doctor. And it's estimated that he has been involved in as many as 60 fatal poisonings of not only patients, his own patients, but even some colleagues. Now, he has admitted to causing four deaths, um, but in 2000, he was sentenced to three consecutive life terms without the possibility of parole, and he's actually currently serving his sentence at ADX in Florence. Life without the possibility of parole, still alive, still incarcerated. crazy right i mean this guy was born in tacoma washington all right raised up in illinois and became a doctor valedictorian of his class but all of a sudden man people started coming up dead um they said that honestly right into his like school uh, you know, as, as soon as he went to medical school or whatnot, he started displaying troubling behavior, right? During that time, they said he was brilliant. He preferred to work as an ambulance attendant rather than concentrating on his studies. He had a fascination with dying patients and was observed during, you know, that time as having this fascination. Um, but Although it was barely noticed at the time, many of his patients ended up coding or suffering some sort of life-threatening emergency. He had at least five. While he was in medical school, at least five patients died on him. 
His lackadaisical approach to his studies caught up with him a month before he was due to graduate when it was discovered that he had faked checkups during his OBGYN rotation. Because, you know, as you become a doctor and you go to medical school, you actually do, you know, a rotation in all areas, right? Um, OBGYN, uh, uh, orthopedics, right? Neurology. Now, some of his fellow medical students had suspected that he had been faking checkups as early as his second year, but this was the first time he had been caught red-handed, and he was nearly expelled, but was allowed to remain when one member of the committee voted to give him a second chance, and at that time, this unanimous vote was required for a student to be dismissed, so... Even earlier, several students and faculty members had raised concerns about Swango's competence to practice medicine. Eventually, the school allowed him to graduate one year after his entering classmates on condition that he repeat the OBGYN rotation and complete several assignments in other specialties. Now, very, very poor evaluation in a dean's letter from his medical school was basically written um, a very poor evaluation in in his dean's letter. But he gained a surgical internship anyway. All right. And in 83, he followed this up by a residency in neurosurgery. Okay. Neurosurgery, the type of doctor I have to go to, (laughs) the kind of doctor that has to be very good at what they do, right? While he worked there at that Rhodes Hall at OSU at Ohio State University Medical Center, nurses started noticing that healthy patients began dying mysteriously at an alarming frequency. You know, the vibe was just off. And each time, Swango had been the floor intern. One nurse even caught him injecting medication into a patient who later became strangely ill. These nurses, they reported their concerns to administrators, but were met with accusations of paranoia. Swango was cleared by an investigation, a cursory investigation in 84, Keep in mind, he just, this, he's new. He just got, he just became a doctor. Okay. At this point. And there's already, I mean, like I said, even in medical school, five of his patients mysteriously died. However, his work had been so horrible that OSU pulled its residency offer after his internship ended in June of that year. Later, it did emerge that officials feared that Swango would sue if he were fired without cause. So they resolved to quietly push him out of the hospital as soon as possible after his internship ended. They knew something was wrong with him. So then in July of 84, Swango returns to Quincy and begins working as an emergency medical technician with the Adams County Ambulance Corps. He had been fired from an ambulance service in Springfield, Illinois, for making a heart patient drive to the hospital. Dude was a mass. Dude is a mask masochist. Many of the paramedics on staff also began noticing that whenever Swango prepared the coffee or brought any food in, several of them would become violently ill with no apparent cause. So he started poisoning his colleagues in their food. He was later arrested by the Quincy Police Department after arsenic and other poisons were found in his possession. Uh, in uh, 1985, he was convicted of aggravated battery for poisoning co-workers, these same co-workers. That he, I, like, he got five years in the pen. But his story don't end there. Are you kidding me? They don't even in there. There was cases they wanted to charge him with, with murder and attempted murder. 
they felt they had a lack of physical evidence. Now, here, here comes 1989. You know, we're going to, you know, 1989, right, at this point. In the last decade, he then graduated medical school, then got into, you know, an internship, then, in, then ended up in prison. But then he gets released from prison and found work as a counselor at the State Career Development Center in Newport News, Virginia. He was forced out after being caught working on a scrapbook of disasters on work time. Like, huh? That's kind of like those ghoul books we were talking about. Uh, The type of books or content that people keep of like death scenes, right? Gore books, ghoul books. I don't know why they called them ghoul books. They're more so considered gore books, but whatever. Um, But obviously he was making scrapbooks related to disasters that had happened and he was doing it on work time, which is kind of weird. I mean, it could be considered kind of weird unless he's doing authentic research, but nah, dude is fascinated. He's a masochist. Um, He then found a job as a laboratory technician. All right. Um, During his time there, several employees sought medical attention with complaints of persistent and increasing stomach pains. Around this time, he fell in love with a nurse. He was employed until 91 when he resigned his position to seek out a new position as a doctor. So what does he do? Because he can't possibly become a, I mean, come on with this past, but Hey, 1991 comes along, right? He's in love. Then he legally changes his name to Daniel J. Adams. And he tried to apply for a residency program at Ohio Valley Medical Center, right? In Wheeling, West Virginia. In July of 92, he began working at Sanford USD Medical Center in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. In both cases, Swango forged several legal documents that he used to reestablish himself as a physician and respected member of society. He forged a fact sheet from the Illinois Department of Corrections that falsified his criminal record, stating that he had been convicted of a misdemeanor for getting into a fistfight with a co-worker and received six months in prison rather than the five years for felony poisoning that he served. <laughs> you know, when he tried to kill his co-workers, right? Most states will not grant a medical license to a violent felon, considering such a conviction to be evidence of unprofessional conduct. So he forged a restoration of civil rights letter from Virginia Governor Gerald Belize, falsely stating that Belize had decided to restore Swango's right to vote and serve on a jury based on reports from friends and colleagues that he had committed no further crimes after his misdemeanor and was leading an exemplary lifestyle. (laughs) He established a sterling reputation at Sioux Valley, but made the mistake of attempting to join the American Medical Association. The AMA did a more thorough background check than Sanford and found out about the poisoning conviction. That Thanksgiving Day, the Discovery Channel aired an episode of Justice Files that also included a segment on Swango. He actually, like, started, you know, remember the old Court TV? The old, like, Court TV, uh, I mean, there's still channels like that, right? Uh, ID, right? With us women, we love that shit, right? Back in the day, though, it it was on the Discovery Channel, and y'all remember the Justice Files. So anyway, Swango ended up getting a a story on the Justice Files, right? And (laughs) they ended up firing Swango again. The woman that he fell in love with left him, went back to Virginia because she was suffering sicknesses. And as soon as she left him, she started feeling better. 
they were actually tracking him, right? So they lost track of Swango, who managed to find a place in a psychiatric residency at Stony Brook University School of Medicine in New York. I mean, dude is, he's doing it. What's up, Skyaticus? Good to see you. Mimi, hey, how are you? We're in the middle of the story of Michael Swango. It was kind of unexpected. We'll have to, uh, I'll have to cut this part out and just upload just this part. But um, he ends up in the psychiatric residency program, right? I mean, he just wants to be a doctor at all costs. Now, his first rotation was in the internal medicine department at the Veteran Affairs Medical Center in Northport, New York. Once again, his patients begin dying for no explicit, for just no reason. Then four months later, the girlfriend that, that he had committed suicide and arsenic was found in her body at the time of her death. Now, her mom was horrified to find out that a person with his history could even been allowed to practice medicine. Like, she couldn't believe it. She contacted a friend of her daughter's who had died. Remember, she was a nurse at Stanford. And um, they, in turn, alerted Stanford's dean to Swango's whereabouts. See, this guy was so bad. This guy was so bad that and they knew he kept somehow getting himself into these medical schools, right? Or into these not medical schools, but into these residencies, et cetera, et cetera. And it became dangerous. And so they started trying to warn each other, right? So all of these deans, you know, get together or whatever. And needless to say, one of the deans sent a warning about Swango to all 125 medical schools and all 1,000 teaching hospitals across the United States, effectively blacklisting Swango from getting a medical residency at any American institution. Period. Now, Again, patients were dying in his most recent residency at the Veteran Affairs Medical Center in Northport, New York. Just dying for no reason, right? So now they got him fired. Uh, they found out that he lied to get in. And now he's effectively blacklisted across the United States. And since the incident took place at a veteran affairs facility, federal authorities got involved. Swango then drops out of sight until mid-1994 when the FBI found out that he was living in Atlanta and he was working as a chemist at a computer equipment company's wastewater facility. Soon after the FBI alerted the company, Swango was fired for lying on his job application. The FBI obtained a warrant charging Swango with using fraudulent credentials to gain entry to a veteran affairs hospital. By that time, Swango fled the country. In November 1994, he settled in Zimbabwe. And he used forged documents to obtain a job at the Meninge Lutheran Mission Hospital in the center of the country. And again, his patients began dying mysteriously. But as a result of suspicions of the medical director there at the Lutheran Mission Hospital, Dr. Zizhiri, I think it's Zajiri, Swango was suspended. Because of the failure to perform adequate autopsies, no firm conclusions were ever drawn in regards to what killed these people. But during his suspension, Swango hired a lawyer named David Coltart to enable him to return to his clinical practice. I mean, here he is. He, he can't be a doctor in the United States ever again, right? And now he's going to fight for his right to practice medicine in, in Zimbabwe. 
He also appealed to the authorities at the hospital to allow him in the interim to continue working voluntarily there. However, this was opposed. This was opposed by Abdullah Mezbah, a surgical resident who had often found him snooping around mysteriously in the wards and in the intensive care unit, even when not on call. He had suspected that sudden deaths of some patients were due to Swango, but had no proof at that stage. Now at this time, Swango rents a room. He rents a room from a widowed woman who subsequently started to become violently sick. This after a meal she had prepared for herself and a friend. The woman consulted a local surgeon, Michael Cotton, who suspected arsenic poisoning and persuaded her to send hair samples for forensic analysis to Pretoria in South Africa. These clippings confirmed toxic levels of arsenic in her hair. The lab reports, they were passed on by the Zimbabwe Republic Police Criminal Investigation Department through Interpol to the FBI, who subsequently visited Zimbabwe to interview Ms. Cotton and the uh, the pathologist uh, Stanford Math. And in the meantime, Swango, he had sensed that the net was closing in on him, so he left. This time, he crosses the border into Zambia and then subsequently into Namibia, where he found more temporary medical work. He was charged in absentia with the poisoning deaths in Zimbabwe. And in March of 1997, he applies for a job at the Royal Hospital in Duran, Saudi Arabia, using a false resume. Now, while all this was happening, right, chief investigator for the Office of the Inspector General of the Department of Veteran Affairs consulted with Charlene Thomason, a forensic psychiatrist, because of her considerable clinical expertise. Thomason was able to review documents and evidence and, and gave a criminal profile of Swango, along with her assessment of why he had committed such crimes. Now, Valerie was called by the FBI to discuss holding Swango. The conversation focused on Swango lying on its government application to work at the VA, where he prescribed narcotic medications. And there was enough evidence for immigration and naturalization service agents to arrest Swango in June of 97 on a layover at Chicago O'Hare International Airport on his way to Saudi Arabia. Faced with the very hard evidence of his fraudulent activities and the possibility of an extended inquiry into his time in Zimbabwe, remember he was charged in absentia, Swango pled guilty to defrauding the government in March of 98, and in July of 98, he was sentenced to three and a half years in prison. The sentencing, the sentencing judge ordered that Swango not be allowed to prepare or deliver food or have any involvement in preparing or distributing drugs. Now, although the FBI, the VA, and the prosecutors for the Eastern District of New York were convinced that Swango was a serial killer, they knew it would be difficult to prove beyond a reasonable doubt. They also knew they had a limited amount of time to amass this proof. Federal inmates must serve at least 85% of their sentences before being eligible for time off with good behavior, meaning that they likely had only three years to prove Swango was indeed a murderer. And they feared that if they could not find enough evidence to convict Swango, he was likely to kill again. Now, the government used this time to amass a dossier on Swango's crimes. As part of that investigation, prosecutors exhumed the bodies of three patients. 
and they did find poisonous chemicals in them. They also found evidence that Swango paralyzed patient Baron Harris with an injection of what was supposedly a sedative. That sedative caused him to lapse into a coma and he died on November 9th of 93. Prosecutors also found evidence that Swango lied about the death of Cynthia Ann McGee. This was a patient that he treated during his internship at OSU. Swango claimed that she suffered heart failure. He had killed her by giving her a potassium injection that stopped her heart. Just a week, less than a week before he was due to be released from prison on the fraud charge in July 11, 2000, Federal prosecutors on Long Island filed a criminal complaint charging Swango with three counts of murder, one count of assault, and one count each of false statements, mail fraud, and conspiracy to commit wire fraud. At the same time, Zimbabwe authorities charged him with poisoning seven patients, five of whom died. A week before this indictment was handed up, FBI agents interviewed Swango in prison. They told him that on the day he was due to be released, he would be extradited to Zimbabwe to face charges of murder and attempted murder. Knowing that he would likely face the death penalty for his crimes in Zimbabwe, Swango began talks for a plea agreement. Eventually, prosecutors agreed to take the death penalty and extradition off the table in return for Swango accepting a sentence of life in prison without parole. Swango, formally indicted on July 17, 2000, pled not guilty. And on September 6, he pled guilty to the three murder counts, as well as counts of wire fraud and mail fraud before Judge Jacob Mishler. Had he not done so, he faced the possibility of the death penalty in both countries. At his sentencing hearing, Swango admitted to causing three murders, lying about his role in causing a fourth death, and lying about his 1985 conviction. Prosecutors even read lurid passages from Swango's notebook describing the joy that he felt during his crimes. Judge Mishler sentenced Swango to three consecutive terms of life without parole. And he, again, is currently incarcerated at ADX in ADX Florence. Max. <laughs> he was sent to ADX at his own request. He had been stabbed by another inmate while serving time for lying to the VA and feared he would be attacked again if he were placed in general population. In the book Blind Eye, Quincy native James B. Stewart has estimated that counting the suspicious deaths at SIU, the circumstantial evidence links Swango to 35 total suspicious deaths. The FBI believes he may be responsible for as many as 60 deaths total, which would make him one of the most prolific serial killers in American history. Swango rarely changed his murder methods with non-patients, such as co-workers at the emergency medical service, he used poisons, usually arsenic, slipping it into foods and beverages. With patients, he would sometimes use poisons, but usually he administered an overdose of whichever drug the patient had been prescribed or wrote unnecessary prescriptions for dangerous drugs. And that is Michael Swango. Let me show you actually an up-to-date image of Michael Swango. This is his latest. Um, this actually is his latest photo. Give me one second. Open image, a new tab. Thank you. All right, let me show you a photo here. This is the latest photo of Michael Swango. Um, 
Still got them thick Coke bottle glasses on. <laughs> that is a very, hold on a second. Let me, there we go. That is a very dangerous man. This man can't help himself. Um, again, he wrote in some of his notebooks about the joy that he felt when he murdered people, when he murdered his patients. Doctors are supposed to take an oath, right? Murdering your patients is not part of the, the equation. But this man here, if he was to ever go free, I mean, look at all the incidents in which he faked and false falsified his way into doing residency programs, anything just to work in this hospital because of his lust for murder, his lust to kill, his lust to kill, destroy, steal, desecrate. Disgusting. But yeah, that is Michael Swango and so I, you know, I think it's a valid question to ask. How did three people end up drinking dishwashing liquid at this senior living facility in San Mateo, California? I think it's valid to always look at those things and keep the possibility that someone, something intentional could have happened. Don't rule it out too quick, right? Because there are people like Michael Swango. Thanks to everybody who came through. Make sure you catch us on all podcasts, all streaming podcast platforms. We're out over there on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon, and a few others. But I, I just figured I'd list the more popular ones. And uh, make sure you subscribe, follow through. I've been pleasantly surprised at the viewership I'm getting. Um, and uh, I do, you know, I'm y'all already know I'm sort of going that direction. I've been going that direction for a while. Um, but um, video podcasts are on Spotify. All the rest is audio only. Just fine with me. But if you want a video... Um, check out Spotify. If you want, uh, here, I'll throw you a link here. That'll take you directly to my podcast platform there, anchor.fm forward slash leak you. I appreciate everybody, uh, for coming out. Uh, we will, we'll have to get a update on the story. Once we find out what the heck, happened and how this mix-up happened and who, you know, um, who mixed this up, so to speak, right? Anyway, guys, have a really great rest of your day. Until next time.